morning, everyone. It's really great to be with you. This is actually my first in-person church service since October. So I'm really glad to be with you. That was a lovely time of worship. And uh, yeah, we broke ground this week after seven years. We've been seven years trying to uh, get this land and building. And so uh, this past Wednesday, they finally got the equipment on there and we still have to get our building permit. They have to give us permission to get to build the, with the permit before we get the easement. So that's our big prayer this week, and we thank you for those of you who've been praying with us. If you have your Bibles with you, which I hope you do, you'll open, uh, if you'd open, please, to Galatians chapter 5. Uh, many years ago, my wife and I were given a romantic overnight at a northern Manitoba resort which turned into a romantic nightmare. We, uh, it was November, there was snow on the ground, it was cold, but it was not the sub-zero temperatures we've had the last few weeks. So we arrived and, and, and we decided to go for a walk in the late afternoon. And we walked through the woods to a moose uh, observation point. We got there about four o'clock and there was no moose, we didn't see any moose, so uh, we turned around to go back, and then I had a bright idea. I said, hey, why don't we go back another way? My wife wisely said, no, I don't think that's a good idea. Unfortunately, I prevailed. We went down another path, and we got hopelessly, scarily lost. We had no idea where we were. And it's getting darker, right? Because it's November. Well, we walked and walked, and finally it was so dark, I thought we are going to have to sleep out overnight. And I'll never forget this picture in my mind. Mary was ahead of me. I said, hey, babe. She was not happy with me. I said, hey, babe, we got to stop. I think we're going to have to find a place to sleep out overnight. She pointed at me. She said, with fire in her eyes, I am not sleeping outside tonight. And it gave me hope. I thought, yeah, maybe we won't sleep outside tonight. So <laughs> there was snow on the path enough that we could see where the trail was. And so we walked and walked. And finally, we could see way up ahead. It looked like there was coals of a fire burning. So we walked there. And sure enough, I guess some hunters, it was moose season, they had long since cleared off, but they built a fire and there were coals. But it was a T intersection. We had no idea which way to turn. And so we said, Jesus, would you show us which way to go? I said, what did you get? She said, I got left. I said, I got left too. So we went left. And we came to the end of this trail uh, that, that we could see because there was snow on it. And it was just black in front of us. And we could feel that it, it was like a road. They were building a road, and we could see about a kilometer down the road. There were lights, and we could hear heavy equipment, and we thought, we've got to get there before they stop work for the night. So we stumbled down this road, feeling our way along. Finally, I jump out in front of this front-end loader. I said, we're lost, we're lost. He called his supervisor. The guy came in a truck, and he drove us back to the resort. We were 10 kilometers going in the opposite direction. 
We were so traumatized, we couldn't even eat. We couldn't go to the restaurant that night. We just didn't feel like being with anybody. We got some French onion soup. We went to our room, and we sat there eating it in silence. And then Mary looks up at the ceiling, and she just says, thank God we're not looking at stars tonight. <laughs> you know, we're all being led by something. We're, something's going to drive us. Something's going to motivate us. We're all led by something. And I was being led by stupidity as we went to, on that different trail down to see uh, if we could see moose. And it almost turned into a disaster if the Holy Spirit had not redirected us. The Bible gives us a great goal in life and a great promise. You shall be led by the Holy Spirit. Today I want to talk about living your best life. And living your best life means being led by the Spirit. So let's read Galatians chapter 5. And starting in verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit. There's the first little phrase you might want to underline or circle or highlight. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For they are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But... If you are led by the Spirit, there's the second little phrase that's important, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Then here's a really critical verse, 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the privilege of being with these people this morning. And thank you for the privilege of being with you. Lord, thank you for this word, which is living and active. And is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And is the only thing that's able to divide between soul and spirit. And judge the thoughts and intents of our heart. And thank you for the Holy Spirit. Who is present with us this morning. Who makes your word live. Who pulls the curtain back. We're asking this morning that you will renew our thinking, touch our hearts, and equip us to be people who are led 
by his spirit. Amen. So the Apostle Paul is writing to four churches here in the province of Galatia. It's Derby, Lystra, Iconium, Pisidian, Antioch, and that's modern-day Turkey today. And he's writing to counter the teachings of the Judaizers. And the Judaizers were those who taught that in order to please God, you had to fulfill the law. You had to be obedient to the law. You were justified by the law rather than by faith in Christ. So Paul's writing to counteract that. And this passage, Paul tells us there's three ways to live, verse 16 to 18. The first way is you can live by the flesh. That's the way most Canadians live, by the flesh. And verse 19 says, the works of the flesh are evident. The first one is sexual immorality. And that includes everything from pornography, which is either digitally or in hard copy, all the way to having sex with other people or things or whatever outside of marriage. It covers the whole gamut. And our culture is full of this today. In fact, very, very sadly, if you've been following the news, you've heard about Ravi Zacharias. What a tragic, painful testimony. That's the work of the flesh. And the sad thing is so many people live this way. Even Christian people, even people who say they're followers of Jesus, they live out of the flesh. L l listen to the list here. Impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. This word sorcery here is the Greek word pharmakia, and it means drugs. It's where we get our word pharmacy from. And in ancient times, they used to associate drugs with witchcraft and sorcery. And Canada is now a place where we've made drugs legal. Enmity, hatred, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness. The King James even adds murder here, and orgies, which is reveling or letting loose or riding. And then Paul says, and things like these. This isn't even an exhaustive list. And then he says this profound thing, I warn you, as I've warned you before, if you habitually practice these things, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's the first way to live, the flesh. Not a good option. The second way to live is the law. And this is how a lot of religious people live. And, and even a lot of Christians live this way. By the rules, by trying to be good, by trying to do what's right, by keeping the rules. Verse 18 says, but if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. And actually, Paul lumps the law with the flesh because in order to carry out the law, you can only do it through your own determination and will, which is a work of the flesh. So he puts those two together. And then the third way to live is by the Spirit. Not by might, not by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. This is the gospel-centered way to live. This is living by grace. It's living by God acting in our lives. And 
This is how Jesus modeled for us to live. Do you remember in Luke 3 where Jesus gets baptized? And when he comes up out of the water, what happens? The Holy Spirit in the form of a dove descends on him and it says this, and remained on him. And then in Luke 4, Jesus goes into the, the synagogue in Nazareth and he says this, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to, pro to uh, uh, proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus did not live by his divinity. He lived by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because he was an example for us. And he was saying, look, I live by the Spirit, not the fact that I live by the Son of God. He was the Son of God, absolutely, but he was also the Son of Man. And everything he did, in fact, one of Bar Pastor Barney Coombs, who some of you know, was my pastor for many, many years. He had a very good friend, pastor friend in England, who always said this, everything Jesus ever did, he never did. Because whatever he did, he did by the power of the Spirit. As an example to us, so that we could live exactly the same way. The Spirit is mentioned seven times in these ten verses we've read. And of course, the Spirit is the Holy Spirit. The third person of the Trinity. A person. Not an it. Not a force. Not an experience. He is a person. He has a mind, Romans 8 says. A will, 1 Corinthians 12 says. He has emotions, Ephesians 4 says. He can be resisted, Acts 7 says. He can be grieved, Ephesians 4 says. He can be extinguished, 1 Thessalonians 5 says. And he can be dismissed, 1 Thessalonians 4 says. And Jesus called the Holy Spirit the helper. I love this. I think this is the most amazing term for the Holy Spirit. In, in John 14, verse 16, Jesus said this, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth. And in the New Testament, there's two words for another. One is an alternative, but different. And the other term for another is identical, exactly the same. And when Jesus said, I will give you another helper, he used that second term. I will give you an identical, exactly the same as me helper, the spirit of truth. And that's important because the Holy Spirit is called the spirit of Jesus in the book of Revelation. In verse 26 says, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And this word helper simply means one called alongside to help. He's the advocate. He's the comforter, the counselor, 
the convicted. He's the dunamos, the dynamite of God, the enabler, the empowerer, the encourager, the guide, the helper, the intercessor, the leader. He's our reminder, our revealer. He's the spirit of life, the spirit of truth, the spirit of grace, the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of the Lord Jesus, the spirit of God, the spirit of prophecy, the spirit of the Father, the spirit of glory, the spirit of the fear of the Lord, the spirit of love, the spirit of joy, the spirit of hope, the spirit of faith. And he's our teacher. He is the helper. And do you know in the Old Testament, you'll remember in Genesis chapter 1, it says that God provided Adam with a, a helpmate, a helper. That word in the Hebrew is azer. And do you know who, in the Old Testament, do you know who refers to himself as a, an azer more than anything else? God himself. He says, I ride across the heavens to azer you. In the Old Testament, he's the helper. And in the New Testament, he calls the Holy Spirit the helper. And Jesus promised in John 14, verse 17, he said, not only will he be with you, but he will be in you. We, we actually, I love the songs you sang today, Jen. They're beautiful songs. But one of the songs has a little verse in it that I'm not quite sure. I understand the sentiment, but I'm not quite sure it's theologically sound. It's pour out your Holy Spirit. Pour out your Holy Spirit. Do you know he's already poured out the Holy Spirit? When did he do that? On Pentecost. And it says in John 3, verse 34, God poured out the Spirit without measure. He didn't give us a few eye drops. He poured out the Holy Spirit all over the planet, everything, without measure. We have unlimited access to the Holy Spirit. There's nothing more coming. It, it, it's all been poured out. And our children, when our children get filled with the Holy Spirit, they don't get a junior Holy Spirit. They get the Holy Spirit, the dunamis, the dynamite of God. Yes, we need, we need more capacity for him. But on Pentecost, everything was poured out. And we have as much of the Holy Spirit as we want. The Holy Spirit's sole purpose as the helper is to help you to come to your aid moment by moment by moment. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, forever and ever. That's why the Apostle Paul says four times, walk by the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, live by the Spirit, and keep in step with the Spirit. March with the Spirit. Keep rank with the Spirit. Let me give you five ways now the Holy Spirit leads us. First of all, we are only led by the Spirit where we intentionally surrender to His leadership and control 
in our lives. That's what it means to keep step with the Spirit. We don't walk along with or live or be led by or keep step with the Spirit as an equal. He is the sovereign Lord. He is in authority over us. He is our divine guide, instructor, teacher. We're under his authority, which means letting go of control. And the issue with living in the spirit is all about who's going to be in control. Me or the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1 verse 8, Jesus said, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And Dr. Luke uses that same phrase in Luke 1 verse 35. You'll remember the story where the angel comes to Mary and says, Hail, O favored one, you're going to conceive and bear a son and, and call his name Jesus. And what does Mary say? She says, How is this possible? I'm a virgin. And then the angel says in verse 35 of Luke 1, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And you will conceive and bear a son. That word come upon, that little phrase come upon, means to overcome, to eclipse, or overtake, or take over. The Holy Spirit take over. Being led by the Spirit means letting the Holy Spirit take you over. And He won't fight you for it. Because the Holy Spirit is like a dove, not a bulldog. He is holy. He's sensitive, gentle, tender, soft. He's not going to wrestle you for control. We, uh, years ago, uh, we have four daughters, as many of you know, and years ago they begged us for a pet. And I didn't want a pet because I knew what was going to happen. They pleaded, oh, we'll feed the pet, we'll walk the pet, we'll do everything with the pet. You won't have to do anything. I said, yeah, that'll last a week, and then it'll be up to me and mom again. So anyhow, the neighbor was giving away a bird. And so our kids begged us for this bird. And I said, only on one condition, the bird has to be a male. Sure enough, it was a male. So we inherited Thaddeus the cockatiel. And uh, we, used to, we had the cage in the kitchen. And when you opened the cage, Thaddeus would come out of his cage and he'd fly around the kitchen as if you were really still and you were sitting at the table. Thaddeus would land on your head or your shoulder. But you had to be really still. If you jumped or you moved suddenly, Thaddeus would be off. And you know the Holy Spirit is like a dove. We are carriers of his presence. We have to be careful how we behave, how we live, how we talk, how we react. We're carriers of his presence. And that means we have to be aware of how we are acting. About a year and a half ago or two years ago, I started doing something brand new in my life. And I want to recommend it to you today. Every morning, almost every morning, some mornings I, I forget and I get up and then I realize, oh, I haven't done, but, it, but it, most mornings I wake up, the first thing I do, I say, good morning, Holy Spirit. I welcome you. 
I love you. I need you. I want you. I surrender to you. Fill me. Baptize me afresh. Take me over today. Anoint me. Equip me. I, I think it's a wonderful way to start the day. If I woke up and didn't say good morning to my wife, I'd be in big trouble. But oftentimes we don't even say anything to God. We just go about our day like he's not there. But he's living in us. He's a person. And the more we cultivate that awareness, guess what's going to happen? The more manifestation of his power is going to go on in our lives. So that's the first thing. Secondly, we're only being led by the Spirit when we kill sin. Romans 8, verse 13 and 14 says, If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. Paul is equating being led by the Spirit with, with victory over the flesh and over our carnal nature. And he says this in Galatians 5, verse 16 to 18. If you walk by the Spirit, you won't gratify the desires of the flesh, for they're against, the flesh is against the Spirit, the Spirit is against the flesh. And then in verse 24, Paul says this very significant verse. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. Not will crucify it, not hopefully crucify it, have, past tense, crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. The Spirit will always lead us to fight against sin in our lives because Jesus has already defeated it. Jesus' example shows this in Luke chapter 4 and verse 1. It says, Jesus, full of the Spirit, returned from the Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil, the first thing the Holy Spirit did was to lead Jesus into the wilderness to face and conquer temptation. The only way that you and I can defeat the flesh, the carnal nature, is by the Holy Spirit. And when we surrender to the Holy Spirit's leading to trust in the person and work of Jesus in his death and resurrection, we have crucified the flesh through Christ and we automatically won't carry out the works of the flesh. That's the promise. The Spirit is at work in us to free us from the power of sin and the practice of sin. Now, I, I think this is very profound because of what has come up in the news about Ravi Zacharias. And you know, there's a lot of people don't want to talk about it. The, 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 some Christian response is, no, no, we can't throw stones. We're not throwing stones. We're just declaring the truth. And it's a tragic, tragic outcome of that man's life because this verse, the Bible is telling us we are free from sin. We don't have to be a slave to sin anymore. Jesus has conquered sin. He's defeated it. And the Holy Spirit leads us to fight against that sin because we already have the victory in it. We do not. 
that Rabbi Zacharias' life was not normal. It was evil. It was predatory. And it didn't have to be. And we can live by the Spirit free from that grip of sin because of what Christ has done. Thirdly, we're being led by the Spirit when we manifest His fruit in our lives. Verse 22 says, the fruit of the Spirit is those beautiful fruits of the Spirit. And notice, Paul says the works of the flesh, but the manifestation of the Spirit is called fruit, not works. Because we don't produce the fruit. The Holy Spirit does when we surrender Him. And we can even ask for His help to surrender. And fourthly, we're being led by the Spirit when the Spirit helps us to pray. Romans 8 verse 26 says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us with our weakness, for we don't know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. This verse tells us not only does the Holy Spirit help us to pray, he also prays for our help. He tells us how to pray, what to pray, when to pray. This is one of the great ways the Spirit helps us is in prayer. And one of his gifts is the gift of tongues. And when you speak in a tongue corporately, it requires interpretation because it's meant to build up and edify the church. But when you speak in a tongue privately, that's your prayer language. And it builds you up. In fact, the gift of tongues is the only gift of the Spirit that edifies you, builds you up as the one who operates in it. And a lot of people speak in tongues, but you know what? They don't do it properly. The gift of tongues is not meant to be a hand grenade. A few words, a 10-second burst blows up and that's it. No, the gift of tongues is meant to be spoken out loud over a prolonged period of time. And when we do that, it increases our sensitivity and awareness of the Holy Spirit. It increases our capacity for the presence of God and it increases our capacity to move in the gifts of the Spirit. Probably none of you know the name Ian Andrews. Ian Andrews was an evangelist from Britain. He actually spoke at Gateway many, many years ago. But he wasn't always an evangelist. He was an accountant, and he had such a bad stutter, he couldn't even say good morning. He would go, goo, 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 goo. It would take him about five minutes to say good morning. But he wanted to be an evangelist, and he felt God called him to be an evangelist. And when he, when he indicated this to people, they looked at him like, uh, you can't even say good morning. How are you going to preach the good news? Here's what happened. He had to drive to work an hour and a half one way. So three hours a day, he drove to work in England. And the whole way there and back, guess what he did? He prayed in tongues out loud without stopping for three hours a day. And he could do it because tongues isn't dependent on our mind. It's a gift of the Spirit that raises above the mind. It, you, you don't have to pray with your understanding. You pray by the Spirit. And so he never stuttered when he prayed in tongues. 
Well, after a period of time, I don't know whether it was a year or whatever, not only was he healed of his stuttering, he became so aware of the presence of God and his capacity to operate in the gifts of the Spirit so increased, he left accounting and became an evangelist, a very effective evangelist. And he moved in the word of knowledge. And he used to, he used to call out people's healings. In fact, in Montreal, he raised a dead man. That's the gift of tongues. And I, I want to encourage you. If you don't speak in tongues, you can. We can pray for you. Because it's a beautiful, it's my favorite gift. I don't know what I would do without that prayer language. And it increases our awareness of God and it increases our awareness operating in the gifts of the Spirit. Lastly, we're being led by the Spirit when we obey His promptings. Verse 25 says, let us keep step with the Spirit. Let us march with the Spirit. Keep rank with the Spirit, moment by moment. And then Jesus said in John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. How do we hear Jesus' voice? Through the Spirit. And the very first place and the foundational place the Spirit speaks to us is in the Word of God. As we read and study the Word and memorize it and journal about it and listen in prayer, and, and He moves in us and reveals God's Word to us, gives us understanding. But the Holy Spirit also speaks to us in dreams and visions. How many of you have had a dream from the Holy Spirit? Yeah, there's several of us. And, and boys and girls, I want to challenge you today to ask the Lord to give you dreams. When you go to sleep, say, hey, Lord, would you speak to me in a dream? He loves to do that. He speaks to us in supernatural signs and prophetic words and counsel and preaching and, 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 and even talking to people. He can speak to us. But you know the most common way he speaks to us? He speaks to us in our thoughts. And we see this in 1 Kings 19 where Elijah is in the cave, remember, and the, and the wind comes in the cave. God wasn't in the wind. And then the earthquake came. He wasn't in the earthquake. The fire came. He wasn't in the fire. And then he came in a still, small voice. The most common way God speaks to you, and I guarantee he speaks to you more than you think, is through your thoughts. That's why the Hearing God course is so foundational. It's so important and it's such a wonderful tool for equipping the saints. Even our children can learn how to hear the voice of the Spirit. It just takes practice, recognizing, oh, this is His voice. Let me end with two stories. Some of you know my wife Mary has a hummus business. And we do markets. And so the big market last November was the Third and Bird Market. And I was driving along the perimeter in a rented truck with all our stuff. And it was Friday. And on Fridays, I try not to answer my phone. Sometimes I'll turn it right off. And sometimes I just won't 
And that Friday, I had not looked at my phone. But as I'm driving along the perimeter, I have a thought. And the thought is, phone Jason Foster, who's one of our Salt and Light pastors, up in Nepal. And so I phoned him. And as soon as he answers, he doesn't even say hello. He just starts pouring out this problem. And I thought, dude, that's rude. Didn't even say hello. So I just listened to him. He poured it out. And then, and then partway through the conversation, he says, I'm really sorry to bother you on your day off. I said, you didn't bother me. I phoned you. He says, no, no, no. I wrote you a text and said, I have an urgent need to talk with you. Would you please call me? I said, Jason, I haven't seen my phone today. I never saw that text. And then there was this moment where we both realized that was the Lord Holy Spirit. That was just a thought. I could so easily have dismissed it. It's like a little butterfly that floats through your mind. But it was God speaking to me, the dove. A week ago, I lost my wallet. I carry my wallet in my backpack. I never lose my wallet. It was gone. I thought, it's in the car. So I went out to the car. I searched the car everywhere. Nowhere. I said, Lord, help me. I, I don't know where my wallet is. It must be at home. So I drove home. I scoured the house. All my jackets, everything I'd worn, it was nowhere to be found. Then I got worried. I went to my phone. I looked up my bank account and my credit card. Nobody was charging anything or withdrawing anything. I said, okay, that's a good sign. I said, Lord, I don't know where this wallet is. And then I had a thought. Just a little thought. Phone Costco. I dismissed it. I'd been at Costco five days before, and I, I dismissed it. If they had my wallet, they would have phoned me. No, the thought persisted. Phone Costco. So I phoned Costco. I said, hey, it's Ron McLean speaking. You don't have my wallet there, do you? She said, just a minute. She disappeared, came back. She says, as a matter of fact, we do. I thought, oh, thank you, Jesus. That is the moment-by-moment moment helper. Whatever you need, nothing is out of reach. Nothing's too small. Nothing's too big. That's why he was given to help us. And boys and girls, the younger you start partnering with the Holy Spirit to be your helper, the more successful, the more blessed, the more help your life is going to receive. Living your best life means being led by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit, live by the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, Keep in step with the Spirit. Let me end by reminding you of the five practical ways I've already shared this morning about how you can grow in being led by the Spirit. Number one, daily surrender. Get in the habit of just every day welcoming Him to take over your life. Number two, ruthlessly fight sin and kill it because Jesus has already defeated it. Number three, this comes under the, the uh, fruit of the Holy Spirit, 
practice confessing and repenting of bad attitudes and reactions and behavior as quickly as possible. Because when you let things go and you don't apologize, you harden your heart. And the Holy Spirit withdraws from fellowship. But when we quickly make things right and restore and acknowledge our wrong, the Holy Spirit embraces us with fellowship, sweet fellowship again. Number four, praying in tongues out loud without stopping. I want to encourage you, if this isn't your practice, start with three minutes a day. Just three minutes. Time yourself. You won't die. You just start out loud. If you need to take a breath, and then go right back at it and work your way up. I guarantee that will change your life with the Spirit. And lastly, practice listening prayer and taking risks on the thoughts that float through your mind. You hear more than you think you do by the Spirit. Let's stand together. Now, if you don't speak in tongues and you'd like to speak in tongues, uh, I'm going to give you an opportunity to be prayed for this morning. Paul, do you pray for people? Okay. Mask up. Yeah, and we'll pray for people with masks on. And I, I'm just going to uh, leave it at that, and I'm just going to uh, speak a blessing over you. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make his beautiful face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may he lift up his countenance, his presence upon you and fill you with his peace.